0: and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. I'm so glad you're back. We are talking in these episodes about how do we bring the gospel into conversations with our kids at different ages and stages of life. And I get asked this a lot. We have kids in every age and stage right now. Um, that we're going to be talking about over the next six weeks, so that's fun, and I can I am thinking about the kids in that age and stage as I talk to y'all. But this week we're talking about our elementary age kids, those kids that are in maybe kindergarten or first grade through middle school, but not into middle school. That's going to be the next category. But around what is it like fifth or sixth grade is when they move make that move in that transition. What we're talking about is we're talking about this stage of kids who are concrete thinkers. They're great conversationalists. They are absolutely interested in relationship with you at this age of their life. They are with us all the time, except, you know, in in school time or whatever, but like they're not driving their own car. They're not going to work. They're with us. And so this is the time for conversations. We talked about the preschool toddler years, how we kind of have to get in and get out of conversations with them. They they have to keep them short and simple. One sentence for each of the the things that we covered last week, just quick, because their attention span is short. But now we have this elementary age child and they want to talk and they want to learn. And they are motivated to have a relationship with you. So this is the time that we begin to capitalize on the fact that they are a concrete thinker moving to an abstract thinker. And what that means is at the beginning of this stage, in the early years of elementary, these children are, if you tell certain kind of play on word jokes They don't really get them. So you have to explain the joke, you know, and then you begin to see them understand and begin to enjoy jokes. You know, jokes all of a sudden become fun because they understand how you can have a word that has double meaning. And what's really happening is abstract thought is beginning to form and everything is not taken at face value, but they can think more abstractly. And this skill set develops In this period of time. So the way we're going to talk to our children in this time is we're going to use stories to really tell our kids about God. And we're going to use um, the concept that they can learn a lot. And we're going to lay a foundation of truth. That then as they grow and mature, we're going to capitalize on. So these are the years. So what we're doing in these years practically is these are the years that I really love to walk my kids through the Bible from beginning to end. And I let the Bible unfold in stories. There are some great tools out there. Oh, I do not read straight through the Bible to my kids. I use tools. I love, there are a couple books out there Um by different authors that that basically unpack all the stories of the Old Testament and the New Testament with the thread that red thread of Jesus redemption running through it. And an easy book, it's not so much of a storybook, but it's a great beginning one when you have like kindergarten first and second grade children is the Jesus Storybook Bible. So that that book begins this story form of seeing Jesus through the whole Bible. And so we read those aloud and we talk about them. And then Star Mead is another author and she has several resources that are wonderful that unpack the truths of God's grand, glorious gospel story and how it is displayed from beginning to end. And we want to, in these elementary years, unpack the gospel story through the stories. And then the other thing that we're doing in this at time is we are laying down this foundational what. So we're answering. So in the first stage, age and stage of preschool toddler, we're letting them explore who God is. And that God is everywhere in his bigness and his love and He created you and and all of that. And in this stage, we're beginning to talk about the, the what. So what is it all about? What is the gospel all about? Which is we're looking at all the parts of the gospel, which is who is God? Who is man? Who is Jesus? What did Jesus do? How does that change me? We're purposefully unpacking at this time the attributes of God. So we're beginning to explore, what does it mean that God is sovereign? What does it mean that God is omnipresent or omniscient or omnipotent? Why would that be important for you and for me to know that, that he is faithful, that he endures, that he is loving, that he is unchanging, these attributes of God and we begin to try and place them inside of the stories that we read about God in the Bible and understand who God is. And then this is the time because we're layering this what layer that we're talking about. What is the Ten Commandments? Why? Why would that be important to us? And what are the parts of even the catechism? And we begin to learn those and um new city catechism new city catechism is a great resource. They have it to music they have it it's on it's an app you can get. There's many things that they have resource wise. If you have never learned the concepts of the catechism yourself, I encourage you in this stage and this age with your kids, walk through some of these with your kids. Not so much. And I'm just going to take off the mantle. Don't feel like you'll hear people if you're around other believers that are like, oh, you got to memorize it. I mean, okay. Yes, if you want to, but learn it, talk about it. Have conversations about it. Let it begin to be the foundation of your conversations with your kids. Who is God? Who is man? What? And t- taking these topics and having conversations about them in this age, because your kids want to talk to you. They want to hear your thoughts. They want to learn from you. So we capitalize on that. And we're going to teach them the underpinnings of the faith. This is the stage where when we take those Bible stories, we point to how Jesus is pointed to in those stories. So, you know, every story in the Old Testament points to Jesus. It does. So we see that and we we make reference to that and we say, how is Jesus like that? How is Jesus better? How is... How did Jesus complete that? Like what was needed there that Jesus then does now? And so we're constantly making the Bible come alive. First stage, the world showed us God. This stage, the Bible comes alive. For what it is, the beautiful, beautiful story of redemption for each one of us. So then, now, so that's the phase. They're concrete moving to abstract. The goal, we want to lay the flooring down, that foundation down. We're doing it through stories, understanding who God is and his attributes, catechism concepts. We're trying to connect the dots so that this book is way. Different than any other book they're learning how to read. You see, we don't want this book to be a book like their fairy tale book. We don't want this book to be a book like even their favorite story, whatever. We want them to understand this book is living and active that it applies to them now because everything about it is still real. And so that is what we're doing now. We are connecting dots for our kids. So now let's dig into, okay, so that's, that's our, that's our mindset. So how does that filter down? (laughs) And I think the place that it filters down the most importantly is we want to, we've already talked about that. We want to be students of our kids where we understand who our kids are, what they struggle with and wrestle with and how Jesus is what they need because we want to give them the hope of Jesus. And then we want to give them the vision of where God is leading them. So that means that we have to know our kids and remember You may have two kids in your home. You may have three or eight, but you're not going to parent your kids the same. They're all different. And yeah, you may use some similar techniques, but they're going to have different effects. And so I really want you to understand that sitting with the Lord and saying, God, I want to be a student of this child. I want to see this child the way you see this child. I want to have the compassion for this child that you have. And what I want to challenge you to ask him in these elementary years is ask him to show you the sin tendencies of your child. Now, we've already talked that we are flipping the script in our mind. When we have a child who is always getting in trouble for whatever, instead of greeting it with annoyance and irritability and rolling our eyes and why can't you get this? Or why can't, what am I doing wrong? You're not learning it. We're flipping that script and understanding God's perspective. And his perspective is that you have another opportunity to tell your child about Jesus. And you have another moment to point their desperate heart that knows that they did something wrong to the only one who can change their heart, which isn't you. And it's not me. And so we want to flip that script in our mind so that we welcome these sinful moments, not because we just love sin, but because we know this is our opportunity to tell about a Savior. You and I understand our desperate need for the gospel because we understand how desperate we are. And our kids are no different. So what we need to understand is as we're studying our kids and becoming a student of our child, we are asking the Lord to help us understand who our child is in their character. What are the areas where they continually need correction or discipline? In our home, we have a term for this and we call it your sin tendencies. These are the places that we as sinners often choose to sin and we kind of return to the same patterns of sin whether it's for self-protection promotion of ourselves Um, and so with eight kids I've seen all different types of sin tendencies and so Let me let me name some so that you can get some ideas. Maybe you'll go, oh, I think that might be mine or that might be my child's or so it's always important for us to also look at ourselves because I think you'll you may find that you have a sentinency. And what and so a list looks like maybe arrogance, selfishness, dishonesty for self-protection measures, rebellious, uh, despairing and doubtful, self-seeking The list can be endless. These are just some primary ways that I can name off the top of my head that I've seen in my own home. But I can testify that there are consistent areas in my life in which certain sins, they always seem to be the stumbling block. That's where I'm going to trip up. That's the ditch I'm going to fall into. And it might be pride or impatience, selfishness, dishonesty. And it looks different in different stages. Right. So you have a like a, a child who really struggles with selfishness at two is screaming mine and snatching everything from everybody. And and you're shocked and horrified in the church nursery and, you know, all of that. But that child is still struggling with selfishness at five and at 10 and 15. And so we want to help walk with that child. In a way that acknowledges their sin, the tendencies that underlie it, that part of their heart that is there for self-promotion and self-protection, and help them understand that only Jesus can change their selfish heart to a selfless heart, and that he does it in a process over time, that he is constantly taking off layer after layer of selfishness off their heart. And that just like it talks about in Romans 7 and 8, I understand you don't want to be selfish anymore. And yet here you find yourself doing what you did not want to do. But I want you to understand there is not condemnation for you because you walk with Christ Jesus. But instead, you have the spirit alive and working and he brings conviction and he brings change and he brings healing and I can testify, and I do with my kids, I have the same sin tendencies now that I had 40 years ago when I first came to know Jesus. They're not nearly as fierce, and I can see them coming faster a lot of the time, not all of the time. Yet, God has been at work faithfully in me over the years, helping me understand that who he is and why he sent Jesus, it was designed to grant me grace, to change me and make me new. And those are the conversations we are beginning to have with our kids. But only if we are students of our children where we are saying, God, show me their sin tendencies. Show me what lies beneath the action I'm always dealing with. So we have, we have one child, and I have permission to share this, this child lies. It just, when they were young, they really, really struggled with it. And it would not be lies only if they knew they were going to get in trouble. So it wasn't, it was not so much only showing up if it's been like, who did that? And that child would just lie. And everybody knew that that was that child. It wasn't even that. It Sometimes that child would lie about what color socks do you have on? So there's no negative connotation in that situation it's not confrontational it was a question and yet this child would feel a need to lie and as we began to walk with this child and help this child understand wow we' you're struggling with this what lies beneath? Because the lie is the symptom. Whatever we see on the surface that we're dealing with, y'all, with our kids, in these elementary years, I want you to understand it's a symptom. It's a symptom of a heart that needs Jesus. It needs redemption. So if we stop at the symptom and we just say, don't lie, you shouldn't lie. You should tell the truth. If we fill their heads with shoulds and we never dive down and help them understand the only hope they have to change that, then we are not giving true hope. But when we dive down in there and we say, man, I see this sin tendency in your life where you lie if you get in trouble. And I can kind of understand why you would lie in that situation. I don't understand why you lied to me today about what color your socks were. Can you help me understand? And what we're doing in that conversation is we're helping them dig down into their heart. And remember, we talked about it in last week's episode. And in that one, I said, they're not going to be able to tell you. And you need to help give them, help, help them navigate that place of why would they do that? But now they're in a space where they can begin to share with you what motivated their heart. And we want to have conversations with them that are so welcoming where we are not speaking, You're, you, you lied, that's terrible, why would you do that? But instead, with great compassion, because that's how God treats our child in this moment. He has great compassion on that child. Saying, you, you lied to me about this. And I, I don't understand, but it, can you help me understand, why would you lie here? What was lying underneath that? What would make you want to lie there? Because I believe, now maybe not every child who struggles with this or person who struggles with this, but in my experience, we have a couple of them who struggle with this in our home. Lying is because there is an underlying belief that they have, they have believed a lie that says their value or their worth is somehow wrapped up in giving the right answer. And if they somehow don't give the right answer, then they're going to disappoint, get in trouble, not be good enough. And we need to help them unpack that belief. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Now, this is just one sin tendency. and every sin tendency, we can talk about in this way. And there is an underlying belief that is a lie that motivates a heart. And when we begin to examine the flesh and help our child examine their heart and understand what lies beneath and understand the motivation, the belief that lies under that motivation and apply the truth of Jesus there, the Bible, Jesus the story of the gospel comes alive and becomes relevant to that elementary age kid. And it is our job to do that. And unfortunately in the culture we live in, our culture is very, very fast paced, but I implore you, this takes a lot. It takes time. It's not one and done. You will have this conversation umpteen times over the same issue because it is the ditch of their flesh that they fall in. But it is worth it to sit down for that minute and help navigate with that child, the layers of their heart and bring them to the hope of Jesus and walk them to repentance. Just like we did in the earlier stage And pray with them and for them, over them. And then give them a blessing of vision. Where is God going to be taking them? Are they going to be trapped in this sin forever? And the answer is no. No, they're not. You know, in 1 Peter 3, he says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And this passage of scripture is really talking about, we use this passage of scripture a lot when we're talking about um, defending the faith. We're talking about, because it says, it says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And we're going to be unpacking this verse in the coming weeks, because as we train our children up and walking with them as they age, part of this is going to come into play. But for right now, in this age and stage, that first part of 1 Peter 3, verses 15, 16, 17, that first part is what is important. We are walking with our children through their sin tendencies, honoring Christ as holy. And we're helping them understand that there's no condemnation because Jesus has come. And he offers them a righteousness that is from him, not from them and not from their works. It is in this age, in this stage that we are walking them through the passages of scripture that talk about who, um, what Jesus did for them. Romans three, Romans six, these passages that say, Jesus has come to set you free, to make you new. And we're trying to help them connect the dots of their gospel. Finally, if you have a child who is older than this stage, but this may be where they are. Maybe they know who God is and they've never connected the dots that he came to set them free from all that entangles them. And they've, you, you need to start here with them, with these conversations that say, I see your sin. Let's dig down into it and understand your flesh. Let's dig down and see your desperate need for a savior. It's there. It's because you can't change that. That lays down there in the depths of your heart. And we do it from a place of saying, I do it too. I have wrestled with the same sin tendencies my entire life but I can give you the hope that it's no longer as much of a wrestle now as it was when I was your age, because the work of the Holy spirit has changed me and he has helped me and he has grown me. I can trust God more. I know my value and my worth. I know it's not about my performance. I believe that he is trustworthy and I don't have to fear and be anxious and afraid. And in all these places that our children wrestle, we need to attack that lie with truth of God's word and help them walk in a way that understands Jesus is their only hope. But when we have conversations like that, and we capitalize on their eagerness to have conversations at this stage, it sets us up for the next stage beautifully. So this stage, it's all about the what. What is this all about? And we want to lay that foundation clearly, and we want to lay it in a way that is engaging. We welcome their sin because we are going to help them learn to apply that Jesus came in ways that are deeper than when they were younger. I hope this helps a little bit. I hope you're beginning to go, okay, I can see this. And yes, you're right. If you're a little at all like me, you may feel like man. This is a lot. It is. But you are walking with Jesus. You are walking triumphantly behind him and he promises you victory and he promises you wisdom and he promises you discernment. He doesn't leave you in this. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me, and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.